how many of you have something that you can you can look at or enjoy without any background music without a book without a, a phone there's something that you enjoy with that you do not need any anything else uh, around you for example i love staring into a fire i don't know why that mesmerizes me but uh, from the time I was a, a young boy, and we didn't have fires regularly near our homes, uh, living in a subdivision, um, but we we would go to camps, and we would sit around a campfire, and, and our youth pastor would sometimes speak, and I would just, I'd stare at the fire, and I'd just watch it and mesmerize. Some people can sit out the, the edge of a beach or uh, along the, the bank of a river and just simply stare and enjoy the the beauty that we have i love doing that with with jesus i've i've found mount zion cemetery to be a a place where I, i love to go and without any any type of music or any type of um outside influence in any way just to just to simply walk and think and i and i stop there often in the mornings after i've had my my personal devotions where I just open up the scriptures and read and, and truly desiring to, to see Jesus. And This morning, I, I simply want to just, just stop and, and pause and look at a portion of scripture where we can, we can sit back and just stare into it and go, wow, Jesus is beautiful. I started the second semester of um, my master's degree I'm pursuing that through Liberty University right now, and um, one of the classes had us discussing the Jewishness of the early church, meaning how the Jewish traditions were a part of the the early church. And it and it, it while I was studying one thing, my mind was going to another because I was also having conversations with some pastor friends who don't live in this area but live around the country, and we were we were talking about the beauty of. The, the church, Christians being grafted, being brought into the, to the family of, of God. And as, as we were discussing that, and I was, I was reading, um, or studying for my class, and had me in the early chapters of the book of Acts, I, I came across a story that I'm sure many of you would know and is familiar to me, but just, it just caught me afresh. As, as we gazed into it and looked at it, because I was, I was excited to see the, the early church, their, their joy and their growth. And when I say growth, I don't mean numerical growth, I, although that was taking place. I mean their growth and excitement of seeing and connecting the dots of who this Messiah, Jesus, was that some of them were responsible for putting to the cross. And as I read that, I thought, wow, these are, these are people who are joyful. They're excited to, to gather together so that they can worship this king, so that they could sing about him, so that they could look deeper into the word to learn more about him. And I thought, man, I bet there were very few Christians that we read about in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 in those early days of the church where they felt guilted into that assembly. And I thought back of my own life. 
I grew up in the home of a, of a mom and dad who never gave me the choice to go to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and if there was any other day of the week that the church was doing something, we were there. I thought, how many times I just was wishing that I just had the option to say, I don't want to go. Because although I was going, I had no desire to go. I had no, no heart, no, no, no excitement to gather with, with other believers. And, I, and I, it's like you spend your entire life waiting for the day where you could say, huh, I, I don't have to, so I'm not going to. And, and although I guess technically as a pastor, I, I have to be here. I guess it would be important for me to be. But like, I don't, I don't wake up on Sunday morning or go to bed on Saturday night thinking, I wonder if I'm going to go to church tomorrow. I can't wait to get here to be with you. I look forward to standing out here and singing. I, I look forward to that. I, I find such joy, in, whether it's myself or someone else delivering the word of God. I love getting to uncover and open this word and seeing more of Jesus. It's an, it's an excitement. And as I said on the one call yesterday, I think it's very easy for, for us to look at church as this weekly necessary obligation. But do you think that excites the heart of God that we gathered together because we had to today? I could imagine calling my wife and saying, hey, every Friday we're going to have a date and her at some point being like, do we... All right, I'll go, but do I have to? The joy of that time together is the ones that we're with. And I, I would, man, I would, I would love for a church, our church, for the church, to, to be a group of people that don't feel like Sunday we have to go to church, but we get to go to be with people we love because we serve and worship and glorify a God we love. And, and as I read Acts chapter 3 this, this week, I was, was challenged by what I read and yet rejoicing in what I read. And as we saw Jesus, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to kind of, we're just going to kind of walk through the first 10 verses of Acts chapter 3. And so to give you a summation of what we're about to read, Peter and John walk to a temple, see a man who's lame. He asks them for gold. He asks them for money. They say, we have no money, but we we give you what we have, and in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And this man miraculously is healed, and he goes with them into the temple rejoicing. And people see this man who was lame hopping around, and they come to see in wonder and amazement what just took place. And Peter proclaims Jesus to them. So let's walk, walk through this just a little bit in, in verse number one of Acts chapter three. This is what we read. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. I, I pause there, and I don't, I don't think there's a way to overemphasize the importance of prayer in the life of a church. But I want you to notice the miracle that we're about to read did not happen as a result of that time in prayer. 
They weren't praying for this man to be healed and he was healed. It just said it was their time of prayer, which means the church, the people had placed an emphasis on and they made time for prayer. I had a pastor friend and I I told you I was, was talking to some this week and he talked about revival. And he said, you know, we talk a lot about revival in the church. And Brian, we most certainly need it. He said, but most Christians don't want real revival. He said, because the truth is we want a revival that won't disrupt our lives. We we want a revival to take place between 10.30 on Sunday morning and better be over by noon. And don't ask me at any other time during the week to talk about revival. He said revival is, is only going to come when the church is willing to lay and surrender their entire life to Jesus and say, you can have everything. Because once we give the Lord a blank slate, revival can take place place but as long as we say here's what you can have revive this that's not true revival and at this church i love the fact that we just simply read they they were going to the temple at the time of prayer you know god does say if you seek me with all your heart you will find me i wonder if we are seeking God, but now with all our heart, which is why we really struggle to find him. I would ask, would you just take a moment where you're at, and would you, would you just close your eyes? Would you ask God a question? Lord, what have I never surrendered to you? ask the Lord to reveal that. God, God, as we we beg for you, we desire you, we want you, we crave you. Lord, would you reveal in our hearts, because sometimes it's just so hard for us to see the areas in our life that we hold so tightly. And Lord, would would you in your grace and through your spirit, would you, would you release us and our hearts from what we hold so tightly so that we can release it to you? God, I know there's miracles that you want to see take place. I know there's revival that you want to bring. Or would you help us to see our role and surrender to you? Bring revival. Bring surrender. And do so for your glory. Amen. In, in, in verse number two of John of Acts three, it says, now, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gates called 
beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts so john and and peter are walking into the temple at the time of prayer and this man who's lame and notice he's lame i love the fact that this lame man sits at the gate of the temple he knows where people should and should be will should be willing to help him these followers of christ these these god followers and, and, I, and I love the fact that it says that he was being carried, which means there were people who were bringing him to this spot that he had chosen to, and they were bringing him every day. We're about to read of his healing, but the, the important thing to understand is he never would have been in a place to receive this miraculous healing if someone hadn't taken him there. We have no idea how important the task of caring for others truly is. I think I, I struggle with that. How long lasting, how life impacting and the transformation that can take place in, in small ways that, that we don't see as being a big deal. The, the, people just carried this man for, for years and years and years. They carried him, put him to the same place. But on this day, everything changed. Ms. Carolyn, my, my mind went to what you shared with me yesterday up at the cemetery. Ms. Carolyn is working with someone very dear to her heart. And, and she just mentioned as, as, as you minister to people, sometimes it seems like you ask the question, is this doing any good? You give and you maybe see growth and then you don't. You try to help and you, you maybe see and then, eh. She said that her son sent her a text. May, may I say that? May I say that? Okay. Her son sent her a text yesterday that she felt was from the Lord at the exact moment she needed it. And the text from her son, and this should encourage all of you moms and dads, was just, hey, mom, thank you for teaching me the greatest lesson of all to be faithful to Jesus. My guess is I have no idea what exactly your son was talking about. There's probably not one day where he saw you faithful. There was probably moment after moment after moment after moment after moment that we would look at and say, not a big deal, but it all adds up to an impact that says the greatest lesson you've taught me was just the everyday obedience to Jesus. Oh, moms and dads, could that be an encouragement to you? Husbands and wives, could that be an encouragement to you? Those of you who work in, 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 a, in an area where maybe unbelievers have a chance to see you and you might say, I'm not making any difference in the lives of all of these people. Be faithful to Jesus and put them in a position for Christ to do a work. 
so thankful for a lady like Lynn Swartzlander who loves the, the children of Page County and, and uh, so faithfully, so dearly wants to see them come on Wednesday night to, to sit under the ministry, Chris, that, that, that you lead. And, and I'm thankful for her heart that says, I, I'm willing to go. And some of our ladies uh, just last week responded to her request to say, we'd love to have some van drivers to go bring these kids in. And you think, well, just driving a van, is that going to make a difference? Oh, it puts these kids in a place where God can do a miracle in their life. I rarely, there's rarely a week that goes by where I don't meet someone who tells, or rarely a month, I should say, rarely a month that goes by where some, I don't meet someone who says, oh, Mount Carmel? Yeah, you're the pastor? I used to go there. I rode a bus. Or I went to the youth thing on Wednesday night. I went to the kids. Thank you. For those of you who faithfully have served through these decades, you have no idea how those week after week after week investments in people and children and teenagers, how it continues to make a difference. But, but Peter and John, they, they walk past the gate of this temple that's called Beautiful, which is so ironic because the man's life was, was far from beautiful. But Peter and John come by and in verse number three, here's what we read. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So apparently this man was in place when he sees them walking by, asks them for money. And we already read that. We already know. We already know that he's going to receive healing, but he doesn't ask them for healing. He asks them for money. Why would he ask them for money if they can offer healing? Probably because he has no idea that these men are about to heal them. But Peter and John do. And I love the simple statement that, that they offer what I do have, the bottom line behind me, what I do have, I give you. When I was reading that I, this, this week, I, I, I underlined it and just wrote next to it, what, what do I have to give? We all have something because God's gifted each of us. The question is, are we willing to give what God has gifted to us. See, we, we all have time. And I know that, that in our, our first thought is, well, I don't have time. We all have time if we choose to have time. We all have some sort of resources, and it may not be lots of money, but we all have some sort of resources that we can offer if, if, if we choose. We all have prayer. If we stop and choose. Twice this past week, I experienced the gift of prayer. I was meeting with Pastor Frank Good, who's going to be sharing on this coming Wednesday in my office. And, and, and one, he's offering his gift of teaching to the church. But at some point in our conversation, he stopped and said, can I pray for you about that? And he prayed with me right then. Friday night. I came 
late to the church and John Thomas was here helping after the um, after the family night for the viewing that, that they had and we met in the hallway and he asked how I was doing because I had, we had a funeral on Thursday and then Friday and then Saturday and I said well just just preparing and I said I'm really asking the Lord to, to try to help me because I know tomorrow I really want to minister to hearts and as soon as I said that he said can I pray for you put his hand on my shoulder and prayed for How often do we miss those opportunities where we find that someone has a need and we could just stop right there and pray for them? And, and I don't mean pray and then walk away. I mean pray and then let's find out how we can help. I don't have silver and gold, but are you cold? Can I offer a coat? Are you hungry? Can I offer food? Are you thirsty? Can I offer a drink? We have to see God brings us into contact and he brings us with people so that we can offer them what we have romans chapter 12 and trent i think i'm off a little bit if you could find romans chapter 12 on the romans 12 reminds us that we all have something to give that that god has gifted us and i'll, I'll begin reading and, and, and you, you see behind me romans chapter 12 verse 6 says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You understand what Paul's saying is, you have a gift, whatever your gift is, then use it. But he explains why in the verses prior to. You have been given a gift, then use it. And this is why. Verse number four of Romans 12 says this. For as each of us has one body with many members, so we get that. We, we have many, many limbs, digits, organs, one body with many members. These members do not all have the same function, right? So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. But notice this, how this verse ends. And each member belongs to all the others. Well, now that, that's not something we necessarily think of very often. Like, don't we think of our life as our life? I know Christ is my life. I get that. But when we hear the needs of one another, do we immediately respond by saying, I am yours. I belong to you as a part of this body of Christ and this faith family. Are you willing to give what you have? Do you love to minister to moms? We have a nursery. Do you love to teach children? We have a kids ministry. Do you love teenagers? We have, we have a youth ministry. Do you love people? We, we would love to have hospitality greeters. Do you love to serve? Man, we have opportunities. Do you love to cook and bake? There's people who need meals. As God has gifted you, then use it for those who are here. Back to verse number seven. John says this. John, John, after he says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I'll give to you. Verse seven says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. 
Peter reaches out his hand. That man grabs Peter's hand, and the Lord does the rest. He didn't have silver and gold. What he had was, I've got Jesus. And Peter doesn't heal him. The Lord does. You know, Page County has many needs. And I am so thankful for those who step into the lives of of the homeless, those who care for the poor, treating the addicted, feeding the, the hungry, trying to bring warmth to those who may spend cold days outside. And those are all vitally important. And along with those, the greatest need that Page County has is Jesus Christ. You and I, we we cannot heal hearts. We can't fix families. Can I give someone a coat? Sure, but that's not going to help their greatest need. Their greatest need is only going to be served by Jesus. But the question is, do you have Jesus? What I do have is what Peter said. I'll give you. How often do we have Jesus? Jesus, but he's not what we give. We give money sometimes, and I think that's vital. And we give care, and we give food, and we give drink, and we should do all of those things. But knowing none of those bring eternal and lasting healing. They all bring temporary relief. Jesus alone brings transformation like we see in this man's life. Because notice what happens in verse 8. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I used to think, and I don't know why, but I used to read this as if the man got healed and he went running up and down the streets. He went into the temple courts with Peter and John, meaning these were people who were there because they were there for a time of prayer. And then all of a sudden they see this man they had recognized and probably for many of them had dropped coins into into his cup and have tried to help him and given him food at times. And now he's running into the temple courts and they recognize him and they were filled with wonder and amazement because so many of these Jews did not know Jesus. They run to Peter and John in wonder of what happens to them. And, and I'm not going to keep reading, but, but I would encourage you, go home and read the rest of Acts chapter 3, and you're going to have Peter's going to preach his sermon, and he's not just going to give that man what he had in the name of Jesus. He's going to give everyone there what he had in the name of Jesus. But it doesn't turn out like we might think. Everyone doesn't get saved. Everyone doesn't come. In fact, while Peter's preaching, you'll find in Acts 4, the chief priests come and listen to him and they get enraged and upset and he's thrown into prison. But God was always in control. 
Because as Peter and John give this man exactly what that man needed, and then they were able to give those who were gathered in the temple what they needed, he went into the prison and had an opportunity to speak to the leadership of Jerusalem. And then they were beaten for what they said. We are not going to stop. And they left with joy that they had been chosen to suffer for the name of Christ. Wow. So you see the ingredients. There's prayer taking place at the temple. Someone who had brought this man to the temple. The disciples gave what they had to give. Jesus does what Jesus alone can do. And the testimony of this changed life was a, or this man's changed life was a testimony to the power of Jesus. So we're done, but I know the question that may rise in your mind, if you remember how we started, was let's talk about the beauty of Jesus. And really, we didn't talk about the beauty of Jesus. We read about the healing of this man and, and his testimony as he ran through the temple courts. But man, this is, this is where I just love sometimes to just sit back and just try to think. I'm not, not studying. I'm not reading. I'm just, just thinking through this, saying, Lord, where is Jesus in here? And that's how I just want to close by showing the beauty of Jesus. The beauty of Jesus is that he's transformed prayer from a ritual to a relationship. Because in Matthew chapter 6, as he teaches people how to pray, he says the first two words to use, our Father. I'm sure that you've all seen pictures of people who offer sacrifices and incense and all kinds of things to deities and to, to gods around the world as people bring things to them. Hey, we have nothing to offer our God in return for his grace. Huh. Jesus made it possible for us to walk right into the presence of the Father. He made that veil tear in two, and now it's welcome before the throne. Come boldly before the throne of grace where you may obtain mercy. The beauty of Jesus is we don't have the temple courts anymore. We don't have the temple system anymore. We go straight to the throne. and We could pray anywhere at any time. I'd encourage you, pray. Pray. But secondly, the beauty of Jesus, he carried us to the place of healing. Isaiah 46, 4 says this, and some of you may appreciate this, especially Arlene Gregory. Even to your old age, sorry, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. Here's what, what the Lord says. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. Huh. That man needed someone to take him to the spot of healing. We had someone who picked us up and carried us to our place of healing. 
And the one who carried us is the one who made the way. It's the beauty of Jesus. But Jesus also made us beautiful. And I think the most amazing thing, one, one of the most amazing things I love about this is Jesus, he, he who is beautiful became ugly. Because Isaiah 53 says he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Isn't that beautiful? The perfect son of God was bruised, was wounded, was beaten, was crucified so that our ugly sin could be removed and he could turn us into his beauty. And then he invites us into the lives of others to say and tell them that they can be beautiful too through me. You have Jesus. He's made you beautiful. Share him. The beauty of Jesus, he gave all he had to give. John said, silver and gold, I don't have. Jesus had everything. He gave it all because we had nothing. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that he who was rich became poor for us, that we through his poverty might become rich. The treasures we have are because he abandoned it all. Such beauty. And finally, the beauty of Jesus is he has gifted us with his power and his presence to invite others to see his beauty. Peter and John, what do you have? No silver and gold. I have Jesus. Hey, there's probably going to be someone you're going to meet this week, this month. You don't have what they think they need. But you have Jesus. It's what everyone needs. And you're not giving him out alone. His power is with you. His presence is with you. And he's beautiful. Some won't see it. Some will call it foolishness. And that's okay. You have been given eyes to see and ears to hear that the one who was perfect was willing to give it all up for us and we don't take it and run we go and we share with others to say i don't necessarily have what you think you need here's what i have in the name of jesus it's the great commission right you have my authority and i will never leave you now go make disciples ah, that's our calling church we get to talk about our beautiful